The passage for today comes from Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble for me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is the third week we've been in this passage, and uh, well, I'll give you one more. And in some ways, I feel like it's a very heavy-duty set of messages. Um, the, two weeks ago, I gave you a message where we focused on that strange and crazy place where he calls certain people dogs and mutilators, uh, mutilators of the flesh. But what does it mean that we don't... We don't depend on this thing that we do to our body, this religious activity, this some external activity, that's this is my righteousness, which Paul calls confidence in the flesh. That's what I talked about two weeks ago. Last week, I focused on this portion where Paul talks about if someone has reason for confidence, I have more reason for confidence. And let me give you all the reasons that I have that if I wanted to tell you like how I can show you my righteousness and my worth in the world, here's my, here's my righteousness resume. And then here's that verses. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews and circumcised on the eighth day, et cetera, et cetera. I focused on that and I honestly kind of felt like a bit of an idiot last week um, telling you about some of the things I wanted to boast in and found confidence in the flesh as a young man and um, how I learned that those things aren't worth that much. Um, today, I want to focus on this verse where he says, verse 7, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. I counted something as loss for the sake of Christ. In fact, I count all these things that I thought was my worth, I count it as loss, and it is garbage compared to knowing Jesus. I found Jesus to have such surpassing worth that these other things that are supposedly so good are really not worth much anything at all. That's really what I want to talk about today. And um, I'm going to do that in three parts. I have a strange title, and I, think, I hope it will come clear to you as we go through this. I'm calling it Middle Class Good Enough. Middle Class Good Enough versus um, this issue that he talks about, loss and suffering. Loss, especially when we talk about loss today. Um, in three parts, good enough as 
confidence in the flesh. So last week, um, we talked about Paul's understanding of having confidence in the flesh, which is to have this incredible excellence according to the standards of the law, which is really God's standards, but we like to, have, we like to pick some other standard. But today, for some people, you, you don't think, I, didn't, I wasn't going after the top, but how about if we just are good enough? Good enough as confidence in the flesh. Right? Part two, um, there is an acid test to whether you know the greatness of God. And that acid test is loss and suffering. That's part two. Part two is ask the acid test of loss and suffering. Some of you go through some kind of loss and suffering in this life, and some of you think, well, is, is God being good to me? Maybe God's not being good to me, but actually, He is being good to you. <laughs> Sometimes loss and suffering is necessary so that there's a clarity of what has the deepest worth, what's of, of the most surpassing worth in life. And so that's part two, the acid test of loss and suffering. And part three, I'm going to talk about finding life in loss and suffering, even in loss and suffering, in fact, even through loss and suffering. Um, told you it's going to be kind of heavy, and I hope not to be scary. It might kind of scare you, so I'm just going to warn you on the front end that I might kind of scare you today. Um, part one, let's talk about uh, good enough as confidence in the flesh. W when I was in junior high, um, I, I went to cr a Christian school. So I, I went to public school for almost all my years, K through 12, except for two years in seventh and eighth grade. And we were in this neighborhood. My parents you know, thought the schools in, in our neighborhood were so crummy and, and even dangerous, actually, that um, they decided to send me to, they, you know, they looked around, found this, looked at the local private schools, and there was a Christian school not too far from our place, and they put me in this um, private school. The private school um, was just stricter and had tougher standards in every way. <laughs> They, they had stricter standards about the way you dress. They had standards about the way you cut your hair. They had standards about the way you're supposed to behave. I mean, just to give you an example, I mean, this feels so dated these days. When we were sitting in class, and when an adult would come into the room, you know what, what you're supposed to do? Everybody was supposed to stand up to show respect for our elders. This is not an Asian school. Uh, not an Asian school. It was, uh, it was actually maybe like half wide, and, and it's pretty multi-ethnic because it was in East San Jose. And um, so morality had a higher standard. The way you dress had a higher standard. The academics had a higher standard. So the academics was tough and rigorous. And the school was on a four-quarter system, and each quarter was roughly about 10 weeks, and in the 10th week was finals. But every, at week three or week six, there was always tests throughout the whole school. I mean, up through, at least up through eighth grade. I think it was a K through 12 school. But I know that they ran the system from K through, or like at least first grade through eighth grade. And so um, since I really cared about excelling in school, you know, every you know, three weeks, I'm like, oh, God, I'm gonna worry. I would study hard, and I'm going to excel at you know, week three, and then week six, and then week 10. And then we'd do, I would do that four times a year. Um, but there was a, a kid in, in, uh, in my classes. I mean, um, most of the eighth graders kind of took classes together, and so I had multiple classes with this, this kid. And um, I wasn't really friends with him. His name was Randy. Um, I remember his last name, but I'm not going to say his last name. If by any chance he happens to walk into this church, and you're like, it's him. <laughs> you're going to go, it's, it's that dude, okay? So 
you know, anytime a Randy walks in, you're going to like, maybe it's that guy, okay? Um, but Randy, we weren't friends, but we were on friendly terms, and at least on a couple of classes, he sat next to me. So then, you know, you sit next to somebody, even if they're not your buddy, you kind of get to know them. And um, Randy wasn't in, like, I cared, and I, was, I wanted to get A's, okay? But Randy, his, his standard for good enough wasn't A's. Okay. I mean, I, I, you know what his standard was? He wanted to get a D in every class. <laughs> I, I'm not making this up, okay? He, he, he thought it was good enough to get a D in every class, and since that was his standard, um, let me tell you, he, he, he succeeded. <laughs> and, and I know he succeeded because every three and six weeks, he would show me his, his test. <laughs> <laughs> he'd lean over and say, hey, he says, oh, what'd you get? And then I would show him, you know, and then I'd have an A. <laughs> and then he'd, go, he'd pull his out, and he would, he'd have a smile on his face, and he would show me his 62%. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And he'd be happy with it. He's like, yeah, yeah, I didn't get an F. Right? And, uh, I didn't, and then he'd show me his 68%. Now, this is interesting. Um, he, he came from, I, I think, a pretty strong Christian family, and he had gone to this Christian school since kindergarten. And by the time he got to seventh and eighth grade, he was already jaded. <laughs> He's jaded and cynical of all the stuff. So this school, I mean, they, they really care about learning the Bible. We had Bible class five days a week. And, um, you know, you're getting your Bible class. You're being tested on what you're learning every, every three, six, and ten weeks. You know, four times a year. Um, he didn't care. <laughs> but Randy was interesting. Um, I found that he was actually pretty smart. He was pretty smart. Every now and then, something would happen in class, and, and it was about a subject that he cared about and he knew something about. So I, 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 what I remember was um, the teacher. This was like eighth grade US history class. Somehow the teacher started talking about football. And then Randy got excited. <laughs> he, he, you know, he wanted to answer these questions in football. And as he started talking about football, I realized I'm a, I'm a football fan. I realized, wow, he knows more football than I know. <laughs> and um, gosh, he really knows his stuff. I mean, he's pretty smart, and he can really apply himself when he wants. But in his life, he thought, as long as I don't get an F, that's good enough. <laughs> and that's the way he, he kind of coasted through. I mean, every now and then, he'd get a C plus, and he'd be like, yeah. <laughs> he showed me that. I mean, he showed me the C plus. Go, yeah. Um, you know, last week I talked about this guy Paul, and Paul talks about confidence in the flesh, and he says, if anybody has confidence in doing things according to righteousness and worth in the world according to the standard, I have more. I mean, I was like tip top. So when he tells you things like this, he's, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. All the Benjaminites think that they're the best because they know the Bible. They know their, their biblical history that Benjamin is the favorite son of Jacob. So that means they're the best. We're the, we're the favorites. We're the best. And um, so some of you are like, well, you know. So Paul is basically saying, if in terms of like my performance, I'm an A kind of guy. But for some of you, when you guys look at your life, you're like, I'm not interested. I don't know if I can relate to that. And because I don't really care about being an A kind of guy. 
You're closer to Randy. <laughs> Some of you guys are closer to Randy in your life and, honestly, in your spiritual life. Some of you are like, well, there's like the A kind of Christians, like, you know, the, the, the pastors and like the, those missionary guys. They're the missionaries. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. They go to like some poor, poor country and then give up all their comforts. And they're like the A kind of Christians. I'll be like C. <laughs> I'm, I'm cool with being like a C kind of Christian. And this is what we do in this world. You, you know, the law is the standard of God. <laughs> And all human beings need some kind of standard to figure out if we have righteousness. That's the word the Bible uses. Except we don't use that word today. The word we use is something more like this, if we have worth. Do we, do we have worth in this world? Does my life have worth? And there has to be some kind of standard for this. And so, since the law of God is like, that's just too hard and too crazy. And last I checked, um, I, I don't really see God, and he doesn't seem to be yelling at me. So let's just kind of, you know, we kind of tend to just pick some other kind of standard, a little doable, a little more doable, a little more manageable. Um, we call this relativism. That's what relativism is. And um, so some people pick a pretty low standard. <laughs> At least in school, Randy picked, I mean, he, you can't get much lower than D minus. And he was happy. He was happy with D minus. But think about it. If you get a D minus, you graduate. <laughs> you get out of that school. <laughs> you do. <laughs> and um, that's really mostly he hated school, and he just wanted to finish. That's kind of what coast through and finish and uh, game the system. And um, some of you guys, you know, you believe in Jesus. But for you, the greatest thing about Jesus is, Jesus saved me by grace. And so then that means... I can be sort of a pretty crummy Christian, <laughs> and then at the end, and then at the end, I'll die, and then I'll, go be, I'll be before him, and, and then he'll still accept me. <laughs> that's, that's pretty weird, and it's really wild, but okay, so that's the system. <laughs> so you and I, I mean, come on, don't you all like, I, I, I like to game this. We all, okay, we're Americans, come on. And if you're even a halfway decent consumer, and all of you are more than good, good consumers, I'm sure you game the system. When I like to buy something, so I go around finding it, and then I look to see if it's in the clearance website. <laughs> so I go find it, I'm like, wait, is it in the clearance? And then I click on the clearance. Oh, it's there. <laughs> oh, 30% off. And then I stick it into the, the shopping cart, and then you're going to buy it, right? But, okay, but before I buy it, there's a little box that says, code, promo code. You guys know what I'm talking about? So then I go Google, you know, like so-and-so promo code. Boom, it comes up, and then you know, there's retail this and coupon that, and then I go, oh, there it is. And so then, you know, the first code doesn't work. Well, you try the second one, and you keep doing it, and then you go to the third one. After about four, I'm like, okay, forget it. It's like wasting my time. But so then you do, you get the 30% off, and then you get another 10% off on top of that. Or sometimes they'll say, oh, if you buy just a little bit more, then we'll give you free, free shipping. So then I go, okay, what else do I want? So I'll get in there, and I buy something more, and then I stick it in there, and then I get the 10% off that, and I get the free shipping, and I've gamed the system, right? Well, we do this with life, too. Don't you do this with life? We want to do this with life, too. So there are people, and maybe you're one of them, and um, you go, well, the... the, the if you're like an A kind of Christian, then you might suffer loss. 
<laughs> because you go and do crazy things for Jesus. Right? But, but if we, some of you are, would rather be a Randy kind of Christian. Okay, well, maybe not D. You're like, D, that's too low. I don't want to be a D. Like, people will think I'm lame. Like, so, so how about, I'll just try to get in there that C plus, B minus range. So some of you are a little bit more ambitious. Get up to this B minus range. That's the good enough. And then some of you are like, yeah, C, C plus. And then, and then we'll be comfortable, right? But I'll be a good enough kind of Christian. And I do this. If I'm a good enough Christian, I do, I, I, go, to, I, go, I go to church. <laughs> and I'll, 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 I'll kind of try to tithe, maybe, sometimes, okay? And then and I'll kind of go to Bible study and, and, uh, and things like that. So you kind of... You know, is that somewhere in the B.C. range, isn't it? And if we do these things, then I'm good enough, aren't I? Don't you do this? You do? Can you relate? Um, look, I'm a professional Christian. So I'm supposed to be in the A range, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if you guys didn't think I was something closer to the upper end of the scale, why would you come to this church? Um, uh, let me tell you something. I, I, I've, I know how to game the system. I've, I've done all of it. I've, done, I've tried the A. I've tried the D. I've done the A. I've done the D. I'm like, I'm tired. I'm do this. Whatever. Who's going to see this? God's not going to yell at me. I'll, I'll slip down to the CD range for a while. And so for some people, when it comes to confidence in the flesh, you're like, well, I, I don't need to be a, a, a Mercedes kind of Christian. I'll be a Honda Civic Christian. I don't need to go to the Harvard of it, but, you know, a really good solid middle class kind of school, you know? How about San Jose State? Yeah, I'll be one of those kind of Christians. Huh? And in this, then we'll be a decent Christian and it'll be kind of comfortable and we won't, I won't incur like hardship <laughs> and, 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 and suffering or loss. It won't be too hard. And, but I'll be good enough. That's a, this is a kind of a confidence in the flesh. And um, this passage is intended to just blow that up. <laughs> to take this whole approach and just explode it out of our lives. That's what it's intended to do. Let me go to part two. <clears throat> um, there's an acid test in the Bible of um, whether you really know Jesus. And that's, the acid test is loss. It's, were you willing to lose things and even hurt for Jesus? You know, before I even talk about just losing for Jesus, let me just talk about loss in the, in the general. Um, can you handle it in your life we all have some idea about what's sort of like the good enough. It's like below this is, it's not good enough. I mean, I have three kids. If I can't afford a three-bedroom house, and we're living in a two-bedroom, one-bathroom house, and all five of us have to share that one stinking toilet and one shower, let me tell you something. I would feel, not only is this really not good enough in terms of the way we live, I would feel as a man... <laughs> As a man providing for my family, I would feel like 
I'm not good enough. You, you get what I'm saying? Not just that this isn't like from a practical point of view not good enough. My worth, my righteousness as a father, husband, provider, leader is not good enough. That's how it feels. You guys know what I'm saying? If we have to live in a neighborhood where the schools aren't very good and my kids have to have, a, have, have maybe kind of a crummy teacher, then, oh gosh, I'm not good enough. Not just, it's not good enough, my worth isn't good enough, and now I don't have confidence in myself. We don't have confidence in the flesh. We're losing. And you know, this could happen. And it's not even necessarily something you can control. So if, if you are an industry, and by the way, some of you who are young in this room, you may not quite know this or feel this yet. I mean, maybe you kind of know this in your head, but you don't really feel this as a reality. Um, but people who start getting to their late 30s and they start getting to their 40s and 50s, they start to feel this. You get into an industry, and you're kind of chopping along in the industry, and you're, you, know, you gain skills, and you gain experience, and you're doing well in this industry, but something... The technology changes in this industry, or the, um, the main people who run this industry decide to send the jobs overseas, and now you're let go. It's not like easy for you to shift over and go to something else. I mean, when you're in your 20s, maybe you can do that. And maybe when you're in your early 30s, you start getting into your late 30s, 40s, and 50s, you could lose your job. And then you can't get another job that pays as much as that previous job. And that thing that you work really hard to be at good enough and feel that this is my worth, you realize, and maybe for the rest of my life, we're going to be in two bedroom, one bath. I wanted my kids to have piano lessons, and we used to be able to afford that. But now every time you look at the piano in the family room, that your kids don't play because you can't pay for the lessons, it's like a stab to the heart. <laughs> because that's a reminder that you're not good enough. And your confidence in the flesh is gone. It's just gone. You got no confidence in the flesh. You're, you're not good enough. You get what I'm saying? And it can happen in other ways. Um, your spouse, um, you're, you're a guy, and you, and you have a lovely wife, but she gets sick. And your health insurance isn't the best. And now your health bills just start to climb and climb. So you can't live in this city anymore. So you have to move to a, a much poorer city. Because now, and then you're going to live in a poor house in a poorer city. But now you can at least pay for your wife's medical care but all the time you're doing that, you're looking at your kids, and you're like, my kids are in this poorer city, in these poorer schools, without the piano lessons, so we could love my wife. Could you take that? And underneath, you're thinking, I'm not good enough. Where's my self-worth? Can you take that? Can you face that? Can you deal with that? For the rest of your life, you just feel like, I'm, I'm a loser. I've lost. I've lost. And now I'm suffering, and it hurts this. It's not suffering in the sense that, like, somebody's whipping you or beating you or throwing you in prison. Paul wrote this from prison, right? But it's a different kind of loss and pain. Can you deal with that in your life? 
If that were to happen, would you go, God, what is with you? What is with you? Aren't you supposed to love me and take care of me? And like, you let this happen to me. What's going on here? I don't think you're a very good God to me. Father, you're not a very good father. Would you think that? Um, and I'm trying to accuse any one of you because, <laughs> honestly, I could probably accuse almost all of you of this because I've had so many conversations like this with so many different people, and I've been there. I mean, I've literally had exactly the same, that conversation with God. I, I mean, well, when I was in, during my PhD program, here it is. You know, I had my second child, and uh, my car broke down. My car broke down, and I'm a poor PhD student. And I said, I can't afford this. So I stuck it on my credit card. $1,000 went on my credit card, which I can't pay. And I hate debt. I'm looking at that debt on my credit card going, I'm, I've lost. And I feel like a loser. God, what the heck? And then I start slipping down to the D. I don't feel like following him. Heck, maybe I even slipped down to F. But Jesus doesn't even just say, can you handle the loss? He actually calls you to the loss. Because we're living in a culture, um, I mean, you can feel this. Most of you can feel this, right? Some of you tell stories about this in, in GLF, in our, in our small groups, about, well, if I say this thing, it gets really tense at work. <laughs> say anything about how I go to church, people think I'm a little strange. Some of you have said things like that. And you can actually imagine this. Maybe in, we're getting there five years, maybe ten years from now. If you let it out, you come out of the closet. <laughs> you come out of the closet that you believe in Jesus. And you, I mean, you don't kind of believe, you really believe in Jesus. It's possible you, you, you might lose your job. And here we go. All this stuff I'm just talking about, you're sitting there going like, I let people know I believe in Jesus. Lose my job. We're going to slip under the good enough. And then all these things I just mentioned, it could happen. Maybe not could happen, it will happen. Oh my gosh, not five years. That will happen, Pastor. That will happen now. Right. Um, is Paul just crazy? All these things that was, that was of gain to me because I was a good person. See, because in Paul's day, um, we, te we're, we're, we, we tend to you know, compartmentalize. Religion and righteousness and being a good person, it's over here. But being smart and being good in your job and making money, it's over here. Oh, um, being, having character and having, and, and, and having a good person before our God, it's over here. And, and then having respect from all my peers and in my industry, it's over here. We tend to think that they're in like two separate boxes. But in Paul's day, they weren't in two separate boxes. It was all one. <laughs> If you're not a good keeper of the law, nobody would think you're a good person among the Jews. And if you're not a good person, and if you're a good keeper of the law, you have to learn the Bible. So how can you keep the law if you don't even know it? And if you didn't actually study Torah and then live it out, nobody would even think you're a good person. And you wouldn't get accepted into the best schools and get the best jobs. It was all of a one piece. When Paul says he has this, when he gives you this resume, 
Do you know that Paul was a highly successful person? He studied as the best teacher. He effectively went to the Harvard of his time. And he was probably at least upper middle class, well-respected of his time. But he looked at all that stuff and he said, actually compared to knowing Jesus, and in his time, if he was actually going to know Jesus and follow Jesus, you know what? It wouldn't maybe incur loss. It absolutely incurred loss. Because as soon as he followed Jesus, all the people who thought he was a good person decided to hate his guts. So Paul wrote this from prison. The Jews would conspire with the Romans to stick him in prison because they hated him. His own people hated him. They threw rocks at him. He was stoned by Jews. Imprisoned by Romans. Um, is Paul just nuts? I want to share with you two passages. This isn't just Paul. It actually goes right to Jesus. So if you grew up in church, you probably know both these passages. If you didn't, maybe you're not familiar with these passages. Huh? And so I happen to just, there's multiple, ver, there's multiple, this is so important. The, the Bible says this multiple times. So if you go, if you really want to, I want to get to know Jesus. So you could read, what are the books in the Bible that, where you get to know Jesus? It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You start reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke. This isn't going to come up once or twice. It's going to come up again and then again and again. So it's so important that God wanted to repeat himself so we can't miss it. So um, there's a story that most of us consider very frightening and um, if we're honest, it's a terrible story. I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> it's a terrible story for the modern middle-class American Christian. And it's typically in your Bible be labeled something like this, you know, the rich young ruler. So it goes something like this. Behold, the man came up to Jesus. This is Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? This is, we're talking about keeping the standards, <laughs> And Jesus said to him, why do you ask me what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. Hey, follow the standards. Verse 18. So he says to Jesus, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. You should not bear false witness on your father and mother. And love your neighbor as yourself. It's pretty interesting what Jesus chooses. There's ten commandments, and Jesus chooses what's typically called the second table. In other words, all the things that God commands of how we're supposed to treat each other. Not the ones even related to God, just how we're supposed to treat each other. So that's all the ones that Jesus um, lists. And he said, this is his answer. I've done all that. All those I've kept. What do I still lack? You guys know the story? Some of you know the story. Here's the part where it gets really terrible. Oh, this sucks. <laughs> Verse 21, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. <laughs> That's what he says. Verse 22, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. You know what that passage is intended to do? Here's all the good stuff of the world. And for a Jew, 
It's inconceivable that you can have all the riches and, and be successful upper middle class or upper upper class, however you want to put it, without being a keeper of the law and being a good person. It's all, it all goes together. But then Jesus says, if you want to follow me, why don't you just give all that stuff up? Lose it. Have loss. And then come know me. Come follow me. And this guy looked at Jesus. He looked at all this upper middle class comfort. Today I'm talking about middle class comfort or even maybe lower middle class comfort. Whatever it is that's too low for you. And he looked at these two and he went, and he had great possessions. Sorry, Jesus. Okay, if that wasn't bad enough, let's go um, three chapters before that. So before Jesus even said this really terrible thing, <laughs> he said something even worse. So this is uh, chapter 16, um, verse 24. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life, here's this word, will lose it. There's that word. Whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's what he says. Just keep saying it. And he keeps saying it. Could you do that? Could you find your life in Christ? Even if the stuff in the world that you tend to feel like, these are the things that I do. Some of you have upper, it's like, you're like an A kind of Christian. Or you're like a, and we want to be kind of on the A, B range in terms of our attainments in the world. Some of you are like, oh, I'll be in the B, C, or even D range as a Christian, in, even in the world. That's okay. Then I'll feel confident and I'll be a good enough person. Jesus, can you throw that stuff away? Follow me. Could you? You could have loss. Okay, I'm going to the final push my message. Okay, Pastor, come, come on, tell us the good part. <laughs> so they're like, oh gosh, this is, you know, I could end the sermon right here. You'd all walk out feeling like totally terrible. And wouldn't, it, wouldn't that be, like, just end the sermon right here? Well, like, wow, that was really powerful. Man, he just like really succeeded in making me feel completely horrible. That was really good, bad, good, bad, I guess, right? How do you find life in loss and in suffering? And loss, and then the suffering that comes from the loss. Um, when I was a young man, I, I, I really, I, I did not want to fall. When I was young, today it's really weird to me that we live in this relativist society and people don't even know if there's a heaven and hell. I think all the people say, is there a heaven or hell? I'm thinking, you're crazy. <laughs> if there's no heaven or hell, there's no good or bad. <laughs> It's just all a construct. If there's no heaven or hell, then you could lie, cheat, and steal. You can murder, rape, and whatever. And it makes no difference, except that these other people don't like you. Who cares? Because their opinion is worthless. Because your opinion is worthless, it's all worthless. So heaven and hell, they're both equally worthless because neither are true. I reasoned to that when I was like seven years old, okay? I was a kid, and I came to that conclusion. So I'm not trying to boast, because I don't think you have to be that brilliant to come to that conclusion. A child can come to that conclusion. Um, um, I've met, met many kids who have come to that conclusion, because we game, we game life. I just told you. Even the kids know how to game the system. If this is the system, 
then who cares about being good? It's just a delusion. So for me, there was absolutely a heaven. And I never doubted there was a hell. Because <laughs> some people deserve to go there. I mean, you know, of course, well, I don't know about my neighbor, or I hope it's not me, but we all know Hitler deserves to go there, right? <laughs> we all know that really racist people who strung up black people and lynched them just because they hated black people, they deserve to go to hell, right? And if there is no hell, then where do those people go? <laughs> they just got away with the most horrifically horrible things. So for me, there's definitely a hell. <laughs> and I ain't going there. <laughs> I don't want to go there. So as a boy, I would read the Bible. I read the Bible. And I found out these passages. So there's these passages in the Bible. You're saved by grace. Oh, okay, that's good. That's, that's a good place. That's good. And then there's passages like Jesus says, go sell your stuff and follow me. What? I thought it's by grace, not by works. But if... if if uh, you don't follow, you don't do that, that seems like a work. In fact, that only doesn't seem like a work. It seems like a really, really hard work, <laughs> a really, really terrible work. And I don't know if I want to do it. I don't even know if I could do it. And so the Bible felt contradictory. Isn't that seem contradictory? There's this, save salvation by grace. They're oh, lost for the sake of Jesus. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it doesn't just seem contradictory. Like, what, what, but... If this is really from God, God's not illogical. Somehow this thing goes together, right? You know how it comes together? There's a kind of, I don't even know if you want to call it a secret. There's a kind of secret to the gospel. Here's what we do. We read these passages, and you imagine, if I'm the rich young ruler, I meet Jesus. Jesus goes, why don't you give this stuff up? Why don't you lose? Why don't you take loss and come be with me? We're like, hmm. <laughs> You're like, hmm. And then we feel the standard on us. That's how we think of Jesus. But if you think about Jesus, you're looking at Jesus before the cross. You're looking at Jesus on this side of the cross where there's standards. You don't even know there's a cross. So there's another, there are other stories about Jesus, and these are the ones we like. Jesus goes to a dinner party, and a prostitute comes to the dinner party. So with all these respectable people, all these people have confidence in the flesh. She has utterly no confidence. Why? Because she lost everything. In that society, to be a prostitute, it's like the bottom, bottom, bottom. She, she gave up her body. She gave up her dignity. She didn't have any respect. She got no money. She got no husband. She got no kids. She's probably been abused. She's probably been raped. And she's spit upon and despised by all the good people. She comes to the dinner party and meets Jesus. And Jesus loves her. Oh, that's, that's a good Jesus. Yeah. Then he goes to the cross. If you meet Jesus and you're over here before the cross, you're looking at Jesus through the standards 
I told you last week, Jesus came to explode the standards. If you go on the other side of the cross, you have to meet him like her. Let me tell you something about Jesus. He did not come to win. He came to lose. That's why he came. He did not come to win. He came to lose. He didn't come here to do all these standards so that he can make his life comfortable or to achieve even. He came to lose for people who have lost. In fact, that prostitute, she's not just a person lost. You'd say in her society, she is the bottom loser there is. And he came to lose for losers. So when you meet him, and you're like her, you come like her. So if you're still like, I'm, I'm in the D range or the C range, you're just, you're doing the standard thing. But if you freely come up to Jesus and you're like in the F, you know, you're like her. S, you're down the, down, way down there on the curve. And you come to Jesus, who didn't come for a standard, who came to lose. You see him in a whole different way. You'll start thinking, there was all the things that I did that gave myself worth, but I met this Jesus. You can meet him there. Then you can start to say something like what Paul said. This stuff, garbage. This person, I can't believe he loves me. This person, there's a greatness to knowing this person, which is above all other things. And then... If Jesus says to you, you're on this side of the cross, and now if he says to you, so imagine this. Can you imagine if he said to the prostitute, come here, and she does, after he's loved her and accepted her, would you um, give up something for me? Would you sacrifice some of your comfort and maybe some of your money and go help that person over there? I really love her. Would you go do that for me? What do you think she'd say? Of course, Jesus. Absolutely. In fact, I would love to do it for you. So that's the paradox. Meet Jesus from here as opposed to confidence in the flesh. But actually, you start dropping down here, and you know you're down here, and you meet Jesus on this, the Jesus who came to lose. And before him, when you're talking to him, there are no standards. He's not going to be tapping. He's like, come on. Get with the program here. No. Absolute patience. Complete acceptance. And when he asks you to do something, you notice? There's just love. <laughs> love. You can meet that Jesus. Then whatever he asks you to do, even if it incurs loss, say, I think I can do it. In fact, the more you get to know that Jesus, sure, Jesus, it's for you. That's how you get to that place. Because he loved you. Let's pray.
Dear Jesus, is it, can this be true? Can this be true? All our life, we run to this standard, and then we want the standard to confer upon us worth. But we come to you, and you're the most glorious God who came to lose for us, filled with loss. In fact, us who in our hearts we know we're losers. Could that be true? You came to do this. You came to lose for losers because you love losers. You love us. And when we have you, we can never lose you. And we can never lose all that you give us and all that we have from you. So that even in this world, if we face suffering and loss, what is that? What is that? We have you. And you're everything. Father, I, I know that some of my brothers and sisters listening to this, this is a hard and strange thing to hear. And I am just a fool preach these things. But I pray your spirit will go deep into their mind and heart and help them meet Jesus on that side of the cross. Help him, them go to Jesus as like a prostitute. Meet the Jesus in front of whom there's no more condemnation and there's no more standards and there's no more judgment. There's only love. It's so hard for me to get to that place. I've flipped and flopped so many times. I'm doing the, the Paul thing and the Randy thing and only, and I still forget. And when we come to Jesus, to Jesus of the cross, I pray that my brothers and sisters be in awe of the one who loves them. And for the rest of their life, the seed could grow in their heart that they have discovered the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus above all their worldly worth, all of it. And they and we all would just run after you. Give us yourself, Jesus. Give us all of yourself. Praying your name.